to nothing. But once he did, he'd want no disturbance. He'd more than once resorted to hiding in the old stack of hay to avoid incoming interruption. His friends knew where to find him, and he suffered no embarrassment in coming blinking back into the daylight with hay in his hair. But it worked well on those who would bring only irritation. He went to the shed and sat on the drawbar of the tractor to lace his boots. It was a sharp, uncomfortable perch, but it did the job. No need to check the fuel. He knew the old red farmall had at least five or six gallons in her. He wrapped a log chain with a hook on one end and clevis and pin on the other around the drawbar and climbed into the seat, thrust the throttle up halfway, and pressed the ignition button. The tractor coughed and choked and came alive, and the shed filled with black, then gray exhaust, but Hewitt sat patient until the engine was running smooth before backing from the shed and turning uphill. He took his time, putting along in second gear. He was no hurry, and it was a pleasant morning, the sun now warming through the flannel on his back, and his speed would allow whoever was up there plenty of time to hear him coming. The road was rutted with spring melt, and the frost come out of the ground, but easy going, a farm lane between the hayfields that Bill Potwin cut and baled each summer and limed and spread manure upon each fall, the latter conditions imposed by Hewitt and held to with an unspoken grudging grump by Bill, an irritation manifested by his pension for holding off doing the job until the last weeks of passable fall weather. Hewitt didn't mind, in fact rather enjoyed Potwin's small protest against being made to do what ought to be done anyway. Too many summer homes carved out of old farms where the hay was free had spoiled the farmers just a little bit. Hewitt had sympathy since free hay was free hay, and welcome in an otherwise ungrateful business. But then again, he knew how things should be done as opposed to those who just wanted things to look pretty and placed no value on the hay. Hewitt knew of a couple of farmers who actually got paid to hay some of those summer home fields. Into the woods now and he could smell the wood smoke. The road got rougher, and he idled down. These were big woods here, mostly rock maple, ash, beech, and hemlocks. He crested the ridge, cool again under the filtering trees, and gradually the road swung northeast as it followed the crest. Back in the woods were stone walls lining what had been the old road, and time to time there would be an opening in the wall, often flanked with upright stone posts, and back behind were the cellar holes and jumbled foundation stones of old farms. He dropped into first as the little tractor worked along. Now he could see fresh tire treads, slick bare slipping patches, a nasty fresh scrape on a blunt pointed rock anybody who ever drove this road knew to swing wide of, even in the dark. When he came round the bend where he knew from the smoke he would find it, it was shock enough that he braked hard as he killed the ignition and the tractor choked a popping backfire and died. Damnedest thing he'd ever seen. Even counting the mystery hunched like a huge stone turtle twenty feet back in the woods, the dry stone chamber with a vaulted low entrance also of stone, one of five such structures ancient and unexplained in the area. But directly before him this morning was a Volkswagen Beetle, hand-painted in swirls and dots and symbols of unlikely origin, in a mixture alarming even to his own unblinkable eye. Graffiti, or aboriginal rock art, 
some far distant cousin to the hand-painted rainbow ex-school buses and microbuses of his younger years. The bug sat on the road. No list from a flat tire or a reek to suggest a split oil pan and blown engine. Just stopped. Off to the side was a small fire and a woman sitting on a rock. She looked at him and then back to the fire. She was not trying to cook anything. She sat on the rock with her knees pulled together and her feet apart, her hands open to the paltry warmth. In black jeans and a white T-shirt with black hair cropped badly down her nape and pushed behind her ears. She was studying the fire as if he wasn't there. So Hewitt folded his arms on the cracked rubber of the steering wheel and studied the car. Under the paint it was a nice old bug. Early sixties with a windshield split down the middle in the oval rear window. The license plate was unfamiliar, so he squinted and sat full upright. Mississippi.